Good morning, everybody. Lovely to see you. Uh, my name's Karen, for those who I haven't met. Uh, nice to have you here. I'm going to do our Bible reading for this morning. We're going to read from the book of John in the New Testament, John chapter 9. We're reading the whole chapter, so verse 1 through to 41. So the words will appear on the screen in a minute. Um, so starting at John chapter 9, verse 1. As he went along, he saw a blind man from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means scent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbours and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened? They asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man? They asked him. I don't know, he said. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he is a prophet. They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son? They asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? We know he is our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind, but how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, he is of age, ask him. 
A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already and you do not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth, how dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? Who is he, sir? The man asked, tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this, and asked, What? Are we blind too? Jesus said, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. That's the end of the reading. Well, hi again, everyone. Uh, welcome back to my house. Um, I'm back in my lounge room. I've got my TV on my other side this week, um, ready to keep talking about uh, John's Gospel. But as you know, the last few weeks at Trinity Church Brighton, we've been going through uh, the book of John and we've been focusing in on some of the different characters that Jesus met when he was on earth 2,000 years ago. Uh, we've seen actually that we can uh, learn a lot about what it means to encounter Jesus today if we look at the encounters uh, that he had with people back then. Um, so this week we're thinking about that, that story that's just been read out for us, this story of the blind men. Uh, it's, it's an account of what happened when Jesus met someone who was, who was really struggling. And I think actually, uh, I think God's, in his kindness, he's given us the perfect story to be looking at, uh, given everything that's going on in the world at the moment. Because I know lots of us are struggling. I've been talking to lots of people on the phone this week. Lots of us are worried at the moment. Uh, and the story that we're looking at today gives us a chance to ask those, those big questions. Uh, questions like, like why, why is there brokenness in the world, and and, and is God going to do anything about it, and and what is a what is a relationship with Jesus look like when there's there's so much pain in the world? Um, so let's let's think about those 
those points under those headings then. So number one, why brokenness? Number two, what's the solution? Uh, and then, and then uh, the rest of the passage, I think it includes this whole long section about how people react to what Jesus does. And I think that helps us to think about how we might uh, respond. Okay, so, so first point, why the, why the brokenness? I, I know lots of us are struggling with what's going on with coronavirus at the moment. I know, I know of course, for some, especially more vulnerable people, it's, it's even worse than for others. Uh, in, our, in our passage today, Jesus meets someone who's, who's certainly really doing it tough. Look at, uh, look, to, look at chapter 9, verse 1 with me. It says, As he went along, and this is Jesus, so, so as Jesus went along, he saw a man born blind from birth. I mean, blind since birth. I mean, you want a picture of suffering. Just, just think about uh, what what it would have been like for this guy. This this guy had never seen a, a sunrise, never, never seen his parents, never, never watched a Netflix show. Although I guess that was everyone back then. Like, blind since birth. I mean, even with everything going on at the moment, uh, for most of us, this is still impossible to imagine. Almost, uh, it's, it's not like there was. Braille or, or government support or anything like that in those days either. These, this guy's life would have literally been sitting on the side of the road, blind, hoping people would give you money so you could eat. And so I think it's just worth asking a big question, like, why? Like, why are people born blind? Why does God allow things like coronavirus? And of course, it could be any number of other things too, you know. Um, why does my child keep having these health issues? Why can't I shake this anxiety? Whatever it is, this is this is just a big question, isn't it? Why why is the world so messed up? Why is the world why is the world so messed up? When Jesus meets the blind man, this is what his disciples are asking. Why why is this man blind? But actually, uh, just just looking at the way they ask the question, it actually looks like they already know the answer. Uh, look at this. Look at what they say. They say, uh, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents, that he was born blind. They're saying he must have done something wrong. He must have brought this on himself. Except, except this guy's been blind since birth, so maybe it's not him that did something wrong. Maybe it's his, maybe it's his parents. But either way, they're saying they're saying he deserved it. They're saying that there's some sort of sin in the man's life or, or in his parents' life. And either way, the, the family have bought it on themselves. I guess, I guess some people think that the answer, that's the answer. The world is messed up because people get what they deserve. You know, people suffering only have themselves to blame. But that's it's not what Jesus says. He shuts this down straight away. He says, neither this man nor his parents sinned. And what's more, thinking that way doesn't make sense of what we experience, does it? We don't live in a world where good people have easy lives and bad people get punished. We know it's just not that simple. And so, so why is the world the way that it is? Why is the world the way that it is? I, th I think there are two ways to answer the question. The first is to say uh, that there are lots of potential reasons for the messed up things we see in the world. Um, one, of course, is actually that it is possible to suffer because you deserve it. I was, I was in the snow once and I decided I should try, you know, that old fashioned thing, licking a pole. And, and when I then pulled my tongue off the ice, it hurt. I, I suffered and it was my fault. Pretty simple, right? But there are lots of other reasons why we could suffer too. You know, we can suffer because of something someone else does. So, you know, someone punches me in the face, I suffer, and it's their fault. Um, 
But at the, at the same time, there are, are much harder things that seem totally random, like someone being born blind or this terrible virus that's been unleashed on the world. I mean, uh, maybe it's the fault of someone who ate in bat, a bat in China, if you believe the rumors, but it just seems, it just seems crazy, doesn't it? And then what else? As Christians, we believe the Bible when it talks about, you know, angelic beings, good and bad. And so we know it is like it's possible that hard things can be caused by something beyond what we can see and touch. Um, we certainly also believe in a God of justice who does bring about punishments of people sometimes. But, but whether, whether it's my fault, my fault, your fault, random, spiritual, God's justice, it's, it's often just impossible to work out just why a particular bad thing that's happened uh, why that's occurred, and it's probably unhelpful actually to try and speculate as well. Uh, so that's the first thing to say, lots of lots of potential reasons, but the second thing to say is that all of this goes back to what Christianity says is the, is the ultimate reason behind why the world seems messed up sometimes, and that is that the world is broken. That the world is broken. I think if we look around us at the moment, most people would agree there's, there's lots of brokenness. Uh, but but think, think about it for a second. The word broken, it means a little bit more than we realize. Uh, what the word broken means is that this world is not how it was meant to be. What the word broken means is that actually the world used to be not broken and then something broken. It's actually to say the world is broken is pretty out there. But this is, this is Christianity's answer. And all of this goes back to the first book of the Bible, Genesis. Uh, in the first chapters of Genesis, we see that God made the world good and he made the world pure. And there's no blindness, no viruses. Things were how they were meant to be. And then, and then in Genesis 3, that changes. Uh, what happens is, is sin enters the world through humans choosing to live their own way rather than, uh, rather than living God's way. And that's, that's, that simply doesn't work. And because of, because of that, the world breaks. The world is cursed. And so... Today we experience brokenness. We experience suffering for all sorts of different reasons. We, we have people born blind. We see natural disasters. We see poverty. We see climate change. We see war. We see viruses. Some, pe some people look at all of this and they say, how can there possibly be a God? How can Christianity be true if there's so much evil in the world? But, but I actually think the more brokenness we see, the more we can be convinced that the Bible is true. The more brokenness we see, the more we can be convinced uh, that the Bible is true. Uh, let me give you a quote on this. Uh, let me put this up. This is a, this is a guy called G.K. Chesterton. Uh, he's a Catholic guy, uh, good thinker. Um, I've, heard, I've heard lots of people this week comparing you know, living through coronavirus to living in war times, which, which is interesting. Uh, Chester, Chesterton lived through World War I, so he reflects a lot on World War I. And this is, this is one of his reflections, thinking about the war and, and God and the church. Uh, it's a bit wordy, but, but stay with me. Um, it was anti-clerical and agnostic. It was, it was the anti-clerical and agnostic world that was always prophesying the advent of universal peace. It is that world that was or should have been abashed and confounded by the advent of universal war. As for the general view that the church was discredited by the war, they might as well say that the ark was discredited by the flood. When the world goes wrong, it proves that the church is right. When the world goes wrong, it proves that the church is right. Do you see what he's saying? He's saying that if the world is just purely what we see and touch and, and there was no God, you would kind of expect things to be getting better and better and better and better. Uh, he, he says that it's those who are anti-God that have always said that that's what would happen, that things would keep on improving. The Bible, on the other hand, says that the world is broken, as we've been saying. 
And so when we see things like blind people, climate change, war, viruses, you know, they're terrible things. But as well as saying that they're terrible, we, we can also say that this is exactly what the Bible expects, uh, says we should expect to see. This is exactly what the Bible says we should expect to see. Uh, I know we have people in our gathering who are not sure exactly where they sit with Christianity, and that's, that's a good thing. At, at Trinity Church, our doors are always open, or, or I guess we should say, you know, our, our stream is public. We love hearing, having people join us. You know, we're all about trying to just think and encourage people to make up their own mind about what they think about Jesus. But uh, here's, here's what I would say to those people this morning, though. As, as you look around, and uh, as you see what's going on in the world, that's just the way the world is or actually do you get the sense that things should be better do you get the sense that things should be better that the world is actually broken as the bible says chesterton saying that uh, the brokenness the pain in the world it doesn't discredit the church in fact it shows that we need the church because christianity is like an ark and, and you only need you know you only need an ark if the world is flooded and so that brings me to point two. What's the, what's the solution? I figured since I was recording a sermon at home this week, I might as well make the most of it and, and give you guys an illustration. Uh, we've, we've already seen that Christianity uh, gives us an explanation for why the world is the way that it is. But of course, it doesn't just give us that. Now I've been, I've been reseeding my lawn this week. The, the old lawn was actually really gross. It, it was prickly. It didn't grow very well. Um, it just, just wasn't working. It was broken. And for a while I tried, I tried different things. I, I used fertilizer. I tried watering it a fair bit. Uh, but eventually my patience just wore out. And now this, this new one's coming up really great. It's, it's going to be better than ever. Uh, in some ways you might say that God would have been better off doing the same with the world. You know, just, just ditching it and starting again. You know, it's broken. It's not working. Luckily God has more patience than I do. In fact, what he did do is remarkable. Rather than ditch the broken world, he came into the broken world as the man, Jesus Christ. And Jesus, he came into the brokenness of this life. And, and when he met the blind man and saw that picture of the brokenness, he, he spat on the ground and he made some, you know, he made some mud and he, he put some mud on the blind man's eyes. And, and out of the brokenness and muck, he brought about healing and restoration. I'm not going to put it on my eyes. It's a bit of a weird story, isn't it? Uh, lots of people have lots to say about exactly why Jesus chose to use the mud rather than just, you know, click his fingers and heal the man. You know, he does things that are more like that in other places. Uh, I asked the young adults group at church this week what they thought. Um, one of them said that all their best lecturers at uni spit on their students, so maybe that's got something to do with it. Um, another said that Jesus was just trying to keep things exciting in case they ever made a video game about his life. Um, they, they did have some serious suggestions though too. One pointed out that uh, if you look at what's going on in the narrative of John's gospel, this whole encounter happens while Jesus is running away from the Pharisees. So it could be that by sending the blind man somewhere else, Jesus was sort of trying to avoid being in the, the place where the confrontation would happen. Um, but I've also read what commentators say about this. Some of them say that Jesus actually wanted to cause confrontation to pick a fight um, because kneading uh, the spit into the mud would have been considered work and that would be breaking the Pharisees' Sabbath regulations. So, so some say, you know, he wanted to, he wanted to pick a fight. Um, others suggest that this might be something to do with Genesis 2 where God is said to have made humans out of the dust of the earth. Um, it could be something to do with the pool where the man is sent, the name of which means, um, means sent, literally. 
Um, and, and Jesus may be trying to show us that he's, he's the one sent from God. Or, or it could have been something to do with the belief at the time that that spit had sort of medicinal properties. So we certainly don't think that at the moment, do we? Um, I think the truth of the matter is that we just, we just don't know. We just don't know. Um, but, but what's a lot clearer is why Jesus healed the man. Why Jesus healed the man. Um, take a look with me at uh, chapter 9, verse 3. Remember the discussion is why this man is blind and whether it's his own fault or not. Uh, Jesus says, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. This happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. See, this, this, this miracle, it's not just about the blind man being healed. This, this miracle was meant for something bigger. Jesus is he's trying to show us something. He's trying to, what does, it, what does it say? He's trying to display something for us. He's trying to show us what God is doing in his world. What the works of God are. He's displaying the works of God. If this world is broken... These are the works of God. God's plan is to fix it, to bring about restoration out of the brokenness. A bit like how he can bring sight to eyes that can't see. You see that plan all through the Old Testament? That plan was revealed in what Jesus did when he walked the earth 2,000 years ago. And that plan will be enacted when Jesus returns for a second time. I I don't know how you're feeling at the moment. I'm sure lots of us are just really feeling totally overwhelmed by everything that's going on, I want to say to you, Christianity, Christianity both, it explains why the world is the way that it is, and it offers hope that one day things will be put right. It explains why the world is the way it is, and it offers hope that things will one day be put right. Okay, final, final point. We've, we've seen that this encounter Jesus had with the blind man helps us to think about these, these big questions. Uh, the rest of the passage helps us think about how we might respond. Uh, you, you might know that John's Gospel talks again and again about Jesus being the light, the, the light of the world, you know, um, the light that comes in to help the, the world of darkness. And uh, the interesting things about, thing about light is that light can be very helpful. I, as I'm sitting here, I've got two big lights um, helping you see me clearly. Uh, but on the other hand, light can be blinding. If I just kind of move this light to the wrong spot, I take it you can't see me very clearly anymore. It's interesting in the, the story today, after Jesus, the light comes into the world uh, and shows what God's doing in the world, the light means that some see more clearly, while at the same time, others are blinded. Let me, let me show you what I, what I mean. The blind man, uh, let's, let's think about the blind man first. Obviously, at the start of the passage, he's blind, but, but Jesus helps him to see clearly. Uh, look, look at how this progresses through the passage. Um, verse, verse 15, Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. And the blind man says, he, he put mud on my eyes. The man replied, And I washed and now I see. He's got, got, just got a really basic, you know, he knows what's happened, but he doesn't know so much. Uh, but then a couple of verses later, he begins to see more clearly. Verse 17, he's a prophet. He's starting to think. Jesus must be something a bit special, a, a prophet perhaps. And then, and then at the end of the passage, just, just have a look at this interaction. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. 
And then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. He sees clearly. He sees Jesus for who he is. And he, and he worships. This is how we should respond to, to suffering, to hard situations. We go to Jesus. We go, we go toward the light. We, we see that he is God's great rescuer who has the power to do something about this broken world. And we worship him. At the same time, if we look at the, the Pharisees in the passage, we see the opposite progression. Uh, at the start of verse 16, it's sort of like they just have this bit of a blind spot. Um, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. The Pharisees just have this idea that because Jesus isn't resting on the Sabbath like they expect people to do, that he just can't be who he claims to be. So they just have this, this blind spot. At one level, I think we can actually understand why the Pharisees were so jumpy about the, this idea of the Sabbath. Because we, we might think they're just being finicky, but the, the thing is, uh, the history of the Jewish nation, it was, it was failing to keep God's Sabbath that had meant that God had punished the people and sent them to exile. Uh, you see that in places like uh, 2 Chronicles 36, 21, it says that quite clearly. Uh, and so the Pharisees, they want to avoid making the same mistake. But, but here's the sad thing. In their desire to keep the rules, they, they totally missed the point. See, the Sabbath was meant to point forward. It was meant to cause us to look to God's plan for the world, to look for the time when God's rescuer would put things right again and suffering would be taken away and, and so we would have rest. And, and so if the Sabbath is about anticipating things being put right again, then the Sabbath was the, the perfect day for Jesus to demonstrate that, to show us what that looked like by healing the blind men. Unfortunately, this is, this is what the Pharisees missed. This was their, this was their blind spot. And so, that, and so as the passage goes on, we see that as they look to Jesus, they just become more and more blinded, like they've got a light in their eyes. Um, verse, verse 18, they still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. They just, they just can't accept it. Uh, Verse 24, a second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory by God, to God by telling the truth, they said. We know that this man is a sinner. They, just, they, they can't accept that he's, uh, Jesus might be who he says he is. And then in the last couple of verses of our passage, we read this. Um, Jesus said, if you're blind, you would not be guilty of sin. He's talking to the Pharisees. If you're blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. If you're blind, you would not be guilty. But if you claim you can see, your guilt remains. Uh, this, is, this is interesting. I, I think here we find the difference between the two responses to Jesus. Those who see more clearly because of the light and those who are blinded because of the light. And the, the difference is this. It's, it's about whether you claim you can see. It's about whether you think you can see clearly on your own or whether you think that you need Jesus the light to help you. It's about whether you actually realize that you're in darkness. So, so how, do, how do we respond to Jesus? Well, it's about really what we think of the world. You know, do we think the world is broken, dark, and that we need Jesus to help us? That's, that's certainly how I feel at the moment uh, with everything that's going on. Or, or do we think we're okay on our own? Do we think we've got it figured out? I want to encourage you this morning. The, world, the world's a hard place at the moment. Hard times are when we need to go, go to Jesus. Go to Jesus and allow him to rescue you.
go to Jesus and allow him to help us see clearly. And it's hard times like these. They're, they're not a reason to reject God. They're a reason to go to him, to go to Jesus, because he's the one who can do something about it. Let me pray. Dear Father God, we just, we just bring our world before you at the moment. Uh, we see that it's, that it's broken, that, it, that it's struggling, and that it's, uh, that's a reminder for us that your world says that this is what we should expect to see. It's a reminder that we need a, a rescuer. We need Jesus who brings sight to the blind, brings healing out of mess, and brings light out of darkness. I pray for all of us watching this morning that in these uh, tricky in these tricky times that we would we would go to Jesus. We would go to Jesus, not away from him. Amen. Well, we're going to respond by singing now. Uh, I think the song is The Lord is King. Hope you can join in. <laughs>